Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your host. And, and Irvin, and this is Shining Spotlight, the stream where we highlight creators in the industry in order to inspire you guys. Today, we have a wondrous talent among us, lending his voice to many major roles of, across the industry in anime for over 20 years, and an icon to anime fans from the early Toonami era. Some of these roles include uh, Karogiri from My Hero Academia more recently, Android 17 and Dragon Ball, and of course, Hiei from Yu Yu Hakusho. Today, yes. we welcome the legendary Chuck Huber. Hey, really? Thank yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, am I really legendary? Is it that big? <laughs> no, seriously. Am I a legend now? Am I, I'm up there with Thor and Odin. I suppose uh, those are mythological. I'm not mythological. I'm just legendary. Okay, let's get it straight. Just, just, <laughs> I got to put you up there. I mean, you know, a lot of us uh, <laughs> grew up with, uh, you know, of course, like Dragon Ball. Everybody mentions that, you know, Yu Yu Hakusho. You know, sure. I think that's a little bit more notable for me. And then there's many other roles that you've done, like in between there. Like you'll just be watching something and be like, I know that voice, you know, and that's, I'm like, so I'm like, we got to give you that status. You just have to say that. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's probably wise for me to take it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh if, my I, if I'm not mistaken, you also do Yuichi Tachibana for initial D. Yes. I, 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 I did a throwback watching that. I loved it. Initial D. That's a fun. That's a fun one. That's a fun one. That, that's oh, one of those ones I always I always mention to people that like, if you're not into the anime that your friends into, that doesn't mean you're not into anime. You just have to keep searching till you find the one that that fits you. Whether you're into volleyball or swimming, or you're a gearhead, or you you love whatever. Anime has something for everybody. That's for sure. So wait, I'm I'm actually curious. Like, did you basically did voice acting come first or were you already into anime before voice acting? Uh, I was, yeah, I was uh, it, back in college. <laughs> back in the old days when we used to get videotapes from the video store, there was a, uh, when I was in uh, college in Chicago, they had this cool artsy video store and they had a whole wall, uh, well, part of a wall that uh, was anime. And so we were always watching anime in college, but we mostly watched movies because every time we'd start a series, we'd never be able to get the next four episodes because they kept four episode tapes. So we'd always be like four episodes into a series and then stop. But I remember Akira being the first one that blew my mind. I feel like that's like, you know, I, I hear that a lot from like a lot of the, uh, like the older school anime fans. Not trying to right. say like old school, like, 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 oh no, but you, you, you get what I'm saying. Like a lot of like, I'm old school, <laughs> a lot of the old school anime fans I hear that like Akira is always the big thing, you know, and of course, um, you know, even for people who are in the manga, but I know back then it was like harder to get your hands on it. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like it was secret tapes. You had to pass them in the hallway secretly to each other before people beat you up. Now it's huge. You know, we, everything that was nerdy that got us in trouble when, when I was in high school is now like, now it's like the coolest thing. The whole world is flipped upside down. And you've like, the thing is with that though, like I feel like you've got to see a lot of this development, at least within the U S like, you know, more from like a professional standpoint, you know, in the anime industry, like growing, you know, because yeah. Like again, like the tsunami era, you were a part of you know a lot of those um, you know guys and you know guy, uh, women that were also a part of the you know the tsunami era. You know, oh, yeah. like being able yeah, to yeah. put that out there. So like when like when you first took on the the role of like for example Android Seventeen, what was oh yeah what, what what were things like back then? Can you take us a little bit back on how things were? Gosh, you know, like when I started doing anime, it was just for the money. It was purely for the money. And I thought it was some dude named Chris who was like trying to make an anime. I didn't know what he was doing. And uh, it was DBZ. So if you're not like, if you're not familiar with the straight up sort of fighting anime, it can seem a little like, what is this? Is this, re this really can't be popular, can it? And uh, of course it turned out to be incredibly popular. But at the time I thought, uh, this I literally thought it was like a dude who'd rented an office and was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna record your voices on on my tape for me," but then they gave me a check, and so I was like, "Okay, I'll keep coming back if you're gonna pay me. I'll do this all day long." <laughs> um, but it wasn't it, it you know it wasn't until it would, almost 
like the first time I noticed it was popular was during Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, oh, you know, there might have been there might have been a moment during DBZ that they did some early merch stuff that made it into Target. And I remember seeing DBZ stuff in Target early on being like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's uh, that's like, product. Like we, we put something out pretty big now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it just kind of kept growing and growing. Then Yu Yu Hakusho, that was the next sort of big. Uh, you know, expansion, then attack on yeah, full metal alchemist, then attack on Titan. And, you know, my hero, the, that they, they just keep getting, it keeps broadening the audience to where now, now you get like my hero fans coming into conventions who have no idea about any other anime. They only know my hero. And then they come to a convention. They're like, what? There's other ones. And you're like, yeah, welcome to the club. Oh, Goodness. <laughs> like an introduction. Real, real fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, as far as like um, like the pursuit of like getting involved with voice acting, what did you find interesting over what, with voice acting versus like um, doing like um, like more live action roles? Well, my 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 first love and the thing I started off in was theater. I did theater in Chicago. I worked at the Steppenwolf and Goodman and Court and worked had a theater company, Dog Dog Boys in uh, Chicago and. You know, it was it was just it was theater or die. That's all we were about. And then some TV and film stuff came along, and I liked those. But it was still always about the theater. And then I moved from Chicago to uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, to, and started a theater company. And it was at one of those rehearsals that somebody told me about the DBZ audition. But going from theater to to voice acting, I mean, voice acting is is if you if you think about acting in terms of obstacles you have to sort of ignore to do the job well, uh, voice acting is fairly straightforward. You're in the booth, you're doing it one line at a time. Probably the, the biggest downside to voice acting is that you're not, you don't get to fully immerse yourself in it until you watch it later. When you're acting, it's a very technical process to get the, and you, you, get, some, you get some lift into some of the scenes where where there's some real some real moments happening as they're unfolding and you feel like you're in in the other world for a minute but a lot of it a lot of it's very um, you know just straightforward sort of technical stuff it's it's more fun in some ways cuz you can do it in your flip-flops and now we can do it from home you know <laughs> uh, whereas like tv film and theater i went to see a play uh, before covid hit and uh uh, my wife was like, you should do a play. And I was like, did you see how hard they were working? That looks like a lot of work. They seemed really <laughs> tired. I was like, I don't know if I could do that six nights a week again. <laughs> like, and you basically putting your whole body into it and everything, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> theater's, the, theater's a workout. Theater takes it. It's tough. So, like, with – as far as, like, you know, I guess comparing, like, theater and, like, um, like voice acting – do you feel as though, um, what would be the best word for it? Um, do you think that you're, that you've been able to stretch your talents in terms of more with your voice, or do you feel as though you've been stressed, you've been able to stretch your talents more um, in theater, if that makes any sense? Uh, theater definitely stretches you more than voice acting. Voice acting, um, uh, theater, you're you're immersing in a whole script with an ensemble together working, you know, every night in front of a live audience. You just get, when it comes to what you have, the challenges you face as an actor, uh, and I just listed a bunch of them, but standing up in front of a live audience and delivering to them start to finish is... Uh, markedly different than uh, getting in the booth and, and doing some some anime. Uh, uh, although I do have to say when you when you're doing the the, the voice acting in the booth, it takes uh, it takes a lot of craft. I'll say that that's what it is. It's it's less art and more craft. You're crafting the characters, you're crafting with the engineer and the director, you're you're creating the scene. So it's a slow motion art in a way. You're kind of feeling your way through the character. Whereas with theater, it's so you don't really get and I, I'm, I apologize. So basically no. what you're saying is like, you don't really get a chance to really see the character in action until afterwards, or do you actually get a chance to, like, do you play like, for example, like they show you maybe 
how the Japanese voice actor might have done it? Do you get to see it that way or no? Is it just, you know, we're going to give you this script, just do it, and then we'll show you afterward how you did? Yeah, we get we do preview the Japanese actor first. We, we listen to the Seiyu's performance, and that's what we not we don't imitate their performance but we we take inspiration from we we make sure we're honoring the the what they did with the characters so that we're not trying to imitate it but we're trying to recreate it as best we can from our instrument it's it's akin to they wrote the song and now we're playing it on piano whereas they played it on guitar so it's still the same song it's the same character it's got to fit into the same world but it's just going to sound different. It's coming through a different instrument with a, a different perspective, um, for sure. No, I follow. Uh, I think we got a lot. Well, actually, we've had a number of different questions that have rolled through. Uh, so definitely want to make sure we address these really quick before we get to everything else. Um, first, we have a thumbs up from the Elite Ace. I also see a yo from PK uh, Trainer Five yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, then from um, Obey Anime, which is Luffy the Super Saiyan. I know him personally. That's why I say that. Um, <laughs> hey, okay, Irvin, I see what you're doing, Big King. Thank you. Um, okay, let's see here. PK Trainer Fadi, true. Okay. Can we get a Hiei quote? Dragon of the Darkness, flee! <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. Like, a... All right. Kuabar is an idiot. What's it feel like to walk around in a haze of complete stupidity? You know, I'm, I'm I just have to say this, and I mean, this is something probably some people aren't even going to care, but this guy over here is going to care. Right. It's funny that you say that with Cool Bar because, like, within like our friend group, like they try to call me Cool Bar, so it's like, oh, like, oh no, I, I know I'm right. not going to hear the end of this. Like, I'm gonna hear <laughs> off, so. oh. that's all right. Cool Bar is lovable. He's got that lovable, lovable tank thing. You know, he comes in and in clutch. Okay, let's see here. Um, we have, uh, oh yeah, OAW Entertainment, Larry. Greetings, gents. Greetings, chat. Greetings to Mr. Huber. Big Greetings. fan here. I'm a small air conditioner. <laughs> All right. That's a dumb joke. I'm super excited, Shay Baker. All right, next one. Okay, Royal City. Are you able to tell us if they're going to do any more Dragon Ball Super or Dragon Ball Super Heroes dub version? As a matter of fact, I have right here on my phone the first. No, I don't. I can't tell you anything. What would I tell you? I'm not going to say anything, even if I knew. You have me tell us. <laughs> Did oh you guys get all excited? Oh, he's going to show us. I was something. like, oh shoot! I didn't think that was going to be the case oh, at no, first, no. but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know anything. But it's got to, right? Like we got to do it. We got to do some more. Okay. They don't. Why would they stop there? They can uh, make more money, right? They can just yeah. keep. Cranking them out and the fans that, well, it's the love too. And it's the art. It's It's been going on for so long now that these characters are iconic. I remember there was a, a shift when, when Goku was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's like, it's like your grandma knowing who Goku is. You know what I mean? Like, like that's Mickey Mouse level, you know, suddenly. Teardrop, where, like for all the anime fans, like we, we made it. We made it. We made it to Macy's. We made it to Macy's. Are we cool yeah. now? No. <laughs> yeah, are we good? Are we good? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see here. Let's do a couple more and then we'll get back to everything else. Uh, we got um, which character or scene did you like working in this most in the series? Wow. Okay. Good question. Character or scene? Uh uh, character, and this isn't just for you guys, Hie is probably my favorite character. He's got, he's just got a great arc and he's, he's a, just a super badass. And the first time I ever went to a convention was, uh, I met Hie fans. It was right during Yu Yu Hakusho. So I had all these rabid Hie fans and Yu Yu fans. And it was the first time I, I, I didn't, I thought I was going to the convention to like, <coughs> work the booth for Funimation, like pass out flyers or something. And they're like, no, you're going to sign autographs. And I was like, that's not a thing. That's not going to happen. And then I signed autographs for four hours and I was like, what, what just happened? <laughs> but so I, uh, he is my favorite uh, Android 17 and Dr. Stein. They're, they're both right up there too. Android 17, especially he's been, he's been a really good character to me. Uh, he's been very helpful to our family. Uh, but as, as far as like favorite scene, there's when Android 17 says, look at me being all human. 
for his sacrifice play. Like that, that was, uh, that was, Oh that yeah. Was that was in a super, right? Yeah. Yeah. And super. Yeah. Or 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 when you meet Nina Alexander in Full Metal Alchemist and Shout Tucker's Transformers. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know that's a favorite classic. <laughs> Let's see here. One more. Um, all right. Ah, so many memories of translating manga and having the bad editors insist on literal translations, even when they sounded stilted and silly. Okay. Yeah. Let's see here. Okay, that was another one. Okay. Uh, one more question, actually. Let's get a question. Um, what was your favorite character you did a voice for? Yeah, I just kind of answered that one. He yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's see here. Now, next thing I kind of wanted to know was, as far as, like, because you did work doing, like, um, like as a uh, ADA, I'm sorry, I can't even say it, ADP, um, like, a director, like what was the yeah, ADR uh, director? Yeah, ADR. I'm sorry, ADR director. <laughs> you got uh, it. What was like the transition in getting involved in that that part of the uh, you know the industry? Of course, because you did voiceover work first, you know. But ADR is more more or less, isn't that the um, the actual dubbing process in terms of being able to set the audio and yeah, yeah. The director runs the show. He runs the studio. That you know, he's got to make sure the engineer is doing their job right. He got to make he's got to make sure the the script writers are doing their job right. He's got to make sure the actors are doing their job right. And he's the one that everything funnels through. And uh, if there's any mistake in the show, he gets all the heat for it. Even if it was the writer or the actor or the engineer who did it, uh, they typically give the director all the heat. And it's a very tedious job. I didn't do it for long for that that reason. It's not, te well, it is a little tedious, but it, it takes a lot of focus. You have to remain very, very focused on all sorts of different things for a very long period of time, which uh, I, I uh, have a lot of children and, and I couldn't focus that hard at, at my job and then come home and focus on all my kids. I was burnt. I was spent. So I couldn't do it for too long. And I, I, uh, I applaud the directors who are able to do that for years and years. They must they must develop their craft of it really, really uh, mightily. I see. So let me see here. Uh, bear with me just for a moment here. My computer's acting up just a little bit. Oh, so what's I believe your in your computer. <laughs> what's your morning routine like? My morning routine? Okay. Yeah. So we get up and kids go to school. I usually make uh, a breakfast and then lunch, lunches to go with the kids. And then Jess takes the kids to school. And I do, uh, you know, I do push-ups uh, for my, I, I teach classes, I teach online classes. And uh, one of the things we focus on is habits, your habits of identity. Like, um, shoot, sorry. All good. Mm. Ah, hold on, sorry, my phone. It's disturbing everything. So we do these habits of identity, which is, um, you start to create habits that make you feel like an actor, habits that make you feel like you're moving towards a goal. And so I, I usually attach, associate things. Uh, uh, the term we use is subroutine. So like, I can't have my coffee in the morning until I do my push-ups. And actually I've switched from coffee and now I'm, now I'm just drinking green tea. But I, so like I started by, by doing like, uh, you know, five or 10 push-ups. For, per cup of coffee because it was so easy. Like I couldn't not do that. Now I do like 50 per cup of coffee. So I'm rocking, you know, lots of push-ups a day, usually two or three cups of coffee. And then I, I will do a cold plunge in the pool. I'll do a big walk, uh, you know, two or three mile walk. Uh, try to get all the, uh, there's another habit that we talk about in class, which is a French phrase called eat the frog, which means you, you, you do the, the thing you least want to do first. <laughs> so if there's something I'm dreading, I usually have a, uh, I got a little uh, uh, whiteboard where I write down everything I have to do. And I always, I always have the thing that I least want to do at the top of the list. And I try to hammer that out first so that uh, the rest of your day just flows really easy after that. You just knock out that thing you're dreading just to pull that bandaid off and just get after it. And then everything else is great. So, wow. Actually, um, kind of going back to the uh, to the work here. 
You're also a writer. That's for, true. If I'm not mistaken. You know, that's uh, correct. Arbor Day. Yeah, Arbor Day the musical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell tell me more a little more about you know your experience with uh with writing. With writing, uh, I did the ADR script adapting for anime for years with Jamie Markey, and that's that's a puzzle. It's a mental puzzle trying to make the translation fit in the characters' mouths and the right number of flaps and make it all make sense and have the characters have different voices. Uh, the process of writing by myself, my own creation, I, I don't know, I seem to be very, I'm very sporadic with it. But once I do something, I kind of lock in on it for a while. I did Arbor Day the Musical, which was the world's best September 11th musical comedy. So it's a musical comedy about September 11th. Let's Roll and Rock was one of my favorite tunes from it. Firefighter Jesus was also very good. Um, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those that makes you laugh and also go, oh, I can't believe we're laughing at this. Um, and then I did, uh, uh, my next big writing project was a, uh, I did a, like a, it's like a 14 page uh, poem in iambic tetrameter. Uh, it's an adaptation of Snow White and Rose Red. And I worked on that for about three or four years. Um, I seem to have to have some reason to write. I keep trying to write stories, uh, just like come up with stories, but then I, I always set those aside. But uh, when I have a purpose or a reason behind what I'm writing, it's much easier to write it. It's much easier for me to get up and do the job of putting my fingers to the keyboard. So in that respect, I'm a writer, but I don't think I could ever be a professional writer because they have to write whenever they're told to. <laughs> well, I guess it depends Fair on way. how you look at it. I mean, you know, like if you, let's say, already wrote it up and you already have it pretty much finished, you know, you've had it edited and peer reviewed and, you know, professionally, you know, like corrected and everything and you submit it. I mean, you know, I guess what can somebody, you know, really say at that point, you know, That's true. <laughs> so I know you're, you're kicking it back, chilling with, uh, well, you know, the pandemic and everything going on. Um, but do you have any plans as far as uh, the convention scene goes, uh, you know, later this year, perhaps? Yeah, actually, they we had one out here in uh, Midland. Yeah, uh, There was a Comic-Con in Midland last weekend, two weekends ago, uh, still socially distanced and, and all that stuff. But it was much, it felt, there were a couple of conventions that hung on like as everything was shutting down and it just got weird and there were just weird conventions. This one felt like, like the opposite, like we're about to swing up and we're about to start having some regular convention time again, which uh, I'm happy for because that's, uh, that's been missing. That's been missing in the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you feel like it was nice to like, get a, like, and obviously, you know, like no one was happy about the pandemic, but like, do you think it was nice to get a little bit of a, like a break to like, kind of like mellow out a little bit, you know, chill, or yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of things that my my wife and I talk about uh, in terms of like positives that came out of the shutdown and the pandemic. Like number one is if you're sick, which we're terrible. Americans are terrible. We're terrible about like oh I'll just tough it out. No more because you're just not going to come into work if you're sick. You're going to be like nope, tap out. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go to work. I'm not gonna go to that party. I'm not. You know, people are going to take care of themselves more. We certainly got to do a lot more stuff around the house. We're doing a bunch of gardening and uh, decorating, and and Jess and I, Jet, my wife Jessica and I, we're we're homebodies anyway. We don't we like if there's a party, like I, I think in in four years, other than convention like VIP parties, which we did on the regular when we were doing the convention scene, but even those we would duck out of early. We'd be like, let's go have one drink, say hi to all the fans, and then we'll go to bed because we're like. By nine o'clock at night, we're like, it's over. But I think in seven years, we've been to maybe two parties that went past uh, midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't go out anyway. So the pandemic's been been really good for us uh, uh, just because we, we enjoy being home. And now Jess uh, works for an adverti uh, advertising agency, and she uh, doesn't have to go into work all the time now. She can work from home. It's like a flexibility that, that 
wouldn't have been there before and now is expected. Uh, like it changed the the way the workforce is dealt with. Like eh, it, we're still not there, but it definitely gave the the workers a little bit more power to say, <clears throat> "I'm sick. I can't come in. I'm sorry." Oh you know? yeah, <laughs> don't get. Oh, don't get me started on that. You know, <laughs> you know, like people. I guess you could say unions. You know, got the band together, just like, yeah, let's do this. But, Oh my gosh! For sure, for sure. There's too many rich people. There's too many really, really, really rich people. Oh yeah. We just need to know they—they're not in castles anymore, so we can't go at them with our forks <laughs> and our torches. <laughs> Their castles are, you know, more uh, widespread across the net. If anything, <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right, round two to the comments. Let's see. Obey anime, y'all doing the big things, y'all on the horizon, bro. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> PK trainer Fadi, Shiny Otaku Rising. Hey, we got the big dogs on here. You already know what it is. Royal City, haha. Royal City got me. I think they were responding to uh, some of the comments. Were saying before, made my day. Do you think Shiny Tucker wasn't evil, but a desperate man? Mm. Uh, he was definitely both. I think he was both. I, I think <laughs> desperation can turn you evil. It can make you do really, really bad things for sure. Shout Tucker is one of those characters that people like. They hate me so much for him. They like. I think that <laughs> moment, like, like anime was kind of for for younger kids, and Full Metal was was is really skewed for an older audience, and and. Uh, I think I think that damaged. I think it traumatized a lot of twelve-year-olds, like eleven to twelve-year-olds, who had never had that level of like horror and and disgust yeah. and sadness and sorrow. Just the the sort of empty sorrow that comes from what did you do and you can't undo it and it's not over. It's not like a death. It was like a uh, I don't know. It's like an abomination for sure. Like what? Like, that's how do? they are. You know, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it traumatized a lot. I, like honestly, traumatized people, and I felt my job at the table when people were traumatized was to help them integrate it by turning it into comedy. I used to have a little Nina Alexander plushie that I'd pull out from behind my sign and be like, "Edward, kill me!" And they would cry <laughs> <laughs> and fall to the ground or, or whatever. But we'd always laugh. It was always very funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Obey anime came in. If you could go back in time and relive an event where you were voice acting a character, which character would it be? Think. Hmm. Like if I could go back and re-record, re-record, relive the whole moment. Relive the moment. Uh, it's probably the last episode of Yu Yu Hakusho. Justin Cook was directing, and he, uh, like it was Hiei's last session and we were getting down to his last lines and, and you get three beeps, beep, beep, beep. And then you're supposed to go where the fourth beep is. And we have a monitor and we have another monitor with the script on it. And uh, we were getting down to the last lines and Justin was like, uh, he was like, now just two beeps. And so he just said beep, beep. And then I had to talk and he goes, now one beep. And it was beep and I had to talk and he goes, and now no beeps. And I just had to talk and now no screen. And he turned off the screen and he goes, and now no script. And he just told me my last line and I had to just say my last line and sort of walk away. <laughs> it was a nice sort of jet. Je I know it was a Jedi way of letting it down easy. We, we really loved those. Like we, we were in love with our characters. We were in love with the, the industry. We were in love with each, you know, each other. We were, it was such a young, like we were all coming of age and everybody was, was, doing the job and, and succeeding. So it was, it was a real fun time. That's, that's, you know, you, if, if I had any advice and I heard old dudes tell me this all the time, not that it helped, but if I had any advice to like someone who's 26, 27, 28, just don't stress about it. Do not stress about it. You got, you hit, um, you know, hit up right. Our age is just like right there. <laughs> that's true. Don't, <laughs> don't, st don't stress about it. Just have, just go for it. Just have fun and go for it. Don't stress about anything. Let's see here. I'm gonna take another one. What do you think 
voicing in DB or DBZ versus DBS? I think they're trying to say. Uh, uh, what's uh, what was the difference? Yeah. yeah. What do you think about the voice acting in Dragon Ball Z versus Dragon Ball Super? Well, we definitely got better. We noticed we got better when we recorded Kai because we would hear the references and we'd be like, oh, that's terrible. Like, and not terrible. We were genuine and having fun, but it was so off the flaps and we were so sort of loose with the first DBZ. We were just goofing. And as it became super, then it was very much you know, a big property and you came in and there was, you still goof around, but you goof around within uh, a lot more sort of strong professional parameters. Um, so that the quality of the work in super is, is definitely better. The sort of young scrappy do whatever you want to do in DBZ makes it the classic that it is because you could tell the people making it were just having a blast. And don't get me wrong, we have a blast making super, but it's a difference between, you know, hanging out at a diner and going to like a fine uh, restaurant, you know? You hang <laughs> I out love that diner. Kind of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh you dress God. up a little nicer for the big, uh, the, the fancy restaurant. You make sure you put your napkin in your lap. Diner, you may sneak your whiskey in, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, there, there may have been some goofing around back in the day. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, before we move on to anything else, we got a couple um, because we're at the halfway point of the uh, interview. Uh, a couple right. other uh, like or announcements we want to make uh, really quick. Actually, if you're just now joining this video, you know, go ahead and give us a thumbs up, guys. Let's get this, make this interview blow up as big as we can. You know, let's highlight the legend himself, Chuck Huber, the and legend. Also, we have, um, there's a um, podcast that we think a lot of you guys should check out. Um, well, actually, I forgot to say subscribe to the channel, but there's a podcast as well that you guys should check out, and you're going to see that image on the screen in just a moment, the Honeycomb Hideout Podcast. Make sure you guys check this out. It's, you know, like, it's, it's something that you're going to want to listen to. If you're somebody who's a comic book head, you like being able to hear about what's going on in the industry, industry discussions in terms of you know, whether they be controversial or they be something, you know, of, of um, how would you say, um, Nico, um, you know, just like theories, you know, that sort of thing. You're going to want to check that out. And that'll be down the link below um, on Spotify. Um, you know, they just did like a relaunch. So definitely want to check that out. Um, in any case, let's get back to uh, what we're talking about here. So I actually wanted to know, as far as like in all of your roles, have you, has there ever been a role where you felt like it was actually like difficult for you to prepare to do the voice acting for, like where maybe it was a challenging role, maybe where you had to really do a lot of like, you know, character study preparation for, like out of any of your roles that you've done? Uh, not There's not a lot of prep for the anime stuff. For the anime roles, you don't even typically get notified as to what role you got until they, they call you in for a session. And even sometimes they'll call you in for a, a session and the talent coordinator will be like, I don't know what role it is. It's for something for Colleen. And you just have to show up <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's Kurogiri. And you're like, oh, that's freaking fantastic. That's great. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. And uh, so there's not a lot of prep that goes into it because a lot of times you're just going with with what you got there in the moment. So you just have to ultra instinct it pretty much. That's right. Uh, <laughs> autonomous, autonomous ultra instinct. Don't autonomous. Get it right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but the prep, I mean, the prep for um, anime stuff is really more about sort of physically being prepared. As far as difficult, Emperor Pilaf is, um, he's hes not difficult. He's a lot of fun. But, and, ow, and, ah, you know, like all the all the little noises he makes and, and you know, he's, he gets really. He's my favorite uh, filler villain. And Dragon Ball for sure, you know, because yeah. and I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I just have to say it's just because it was the time for Gohan to shine. I love like Gohan <laughs> characters, so I'm just like, yeah, they were both, you know, I'm like, I'm I, I have a special place for Emperor Pilaf, yeah, <laughs> Emperor, yeah. and uh, well, no, I'm thinking of Garlic Jr. I'm thinking I get those two confused sometimes because the voices sound or I thought they sounded kind of similar, they do, they do because you know? <laughs> they're both me, they, yeah. they have to sound, <laughs> well, yeah, no. but I'm thinking of Garlic, I always get the I'm like, I used to think like. Like just like as a kid, I was thinking, 
are these characters related? Like I used to think that because I was like, they're both like kind of short, you know. I was like, they, they have, have the connect- same voice. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Garlic Jr. is like angry Emperor. I'm gonna push you into the dead zone. Ah. And uh, Emperor Pilaf's uh, a little goofier. Oh my! But they're both kind of in the same range. So uh, uh, yeah, they, I, they were going with casting back then the way they used to do it. Like uh, he plays all the big guys. He plays all the short aliens. He plays all the, you know, they just give you like a category. He's She does all the moms. He, uh, he does all the dads. So they just stuck me with short aliens. Nice, nice. Uh, let's see here. Oh. Do you actually, and this is going to be like a, like a kind of like a weird question to ask, but do you speak any other languages? Estoy aprendiendo español ahora. Necesito practicar más. Es importante. En mi vida necesito un amigo que habla español. Yo pienso que necesito un viaje en un coche con una persona solo hablando en español y entonces 10 horas en, en, la, en, en, en el viaje y, y hablando todo el tiempo en el coche es, es, es el, el, el manera perfecta para aprender el idioma en la coche. Yo, yo pienso que es la, la, la mejor manera, sí. And uh, a little, uh, no, that's it. Maybe right, some so, Span- so how many Spanish times? Ta- okay. Spanish and sign language. How many ways did you just tell me off? No, I'm just I'm messing with you. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't tell you off. <laughs> I'm messing with you, but uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, like I wasn't even, I wasn't sure. I was like, wow, okay. You know, I guess that makes sense because you guys are like, you know, kind of like on the, um, the border of like uh, you know Mexico, you know. Yeah, uh, no, it's true. There's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities to speak Spanish in Texas for sure. Although I haven't made use of a lot of, I, I really just picked it up because my daughter was learning it in high school, and I I studied it for a while, but I kind of put more effort into it. And then COVID, and I was like, well, I should learn something. So long as we're stuck at home, and so I chose uh, Spanish. I'm still working. I still got a, I, I got a lot. I got a long way to go. So could you actually see yourself like doing that, like, you know, voice acting wise, like doing maybe like a Spanish translation in the future? Oh, heck yeah. Like that's that's the goal. The ultimate goal is to be the bad guy on a Mexican telenovela, like the Guero who's like, (laughs) he's like the bad guy comes in and I'm going to take your house because I'm a bad realtor or whatever. And, they, you know, like that'd be fun. I'd love to be in one of those, (laughs) you know, get muy serio, you know, like very, very Big acting, it'd be. I think it'd be a blast. <laughs> Fair deal. I um, I'm kind of curious. Uh, who are your inspirations? <sighs> who are my inspirations? Tesla, Nikola Tesla is probably a big one. I went. Yeah. Completely First, when you said Tesla, I was like, wait, are you talking about? Uh, oh, what's his name? The uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, how? Like, like really? <laughs> He's not my inspiration, although I like him. I think he's funny. Uh, uh, he's the funniest billionaire we have. That's yeah, for I think sure. he's the other man too. <laughs> yeah, no, he totally is. He totally is. He was tweeting some anime stuff. I was like hoping he loved Android Seventeen or something, so we could be friends and he could take me on a ride to Mars and give me a couple million dollars out of his pocket. You know, just make <laughs> life better, right? <laughs> just like here although, you go. He was tweeting Dogecoin. You know, cryptocurrency. I'm big into cryptocurrency and. Yes, and I he am. was tweeting Doge, Dogecoin, and I was like, "Man, let me let me put a little something on there." And then it went boop, and I was like, "Thank you, Elon. Thank you for <laughs> making some money for me. I appreciate it." <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I'm like, you know, cryptocurrency and everything. I think, yeah, I've got into that. I'm like, I find that's like the thing right now. I'm just hoping that it holds up during, uh, you know, once, uh, you know, COVID is uh, over. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Is it ever really going to be over? Do you think they're ever going to? They're going to keep controlling us this way for the rest of our lives. I, f- I feel like they went like this. They were like, and now we own all of this too. And everybody went, do we still have internet? And they were like, yes. <laughs> Can we still get Amazon? Everyone, like, yes. No, like, yeah. Go ahead, have it. You know, everybody's like, go ahead. Uh, whatever, Matt. I don't know. I think it may be this. 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 
the COVID thing may actually be really, really good for the earth. You look at like, like it just kind of settled everybody. It feels like the earth got a timeout. Like we're <laughs> behaving <laughs> badly. I'm thinking alien races, man. If some aliens show up or fake aliens, I don't care. Illuminati imagined aliens. I don't care which one, but the COVID show is stupid. We need the alien show soon. The COVID show hasn't been any fun. <laughs> oh I remember somebody videotaped on, uh, I guess, YouTube, it might have been showing, uh, you know, there was more animals out, you know, while we were in the lockdown. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's It hasn't been bad for the earth, that's for sure. Good stuff. So, I mean, go, going back to it, so Nikola Tesla, what, what that that's that was so left field still, you know, even, even, uh, you uh, out of you know uh, aside, what? Why Nikola? What's, what does fancied you about him? Well, I've I've uh, I've loved him uh, for a very long time. My my grandma had this book of Ripley's Believe It or Not, and I think that's where I get all my sort of like fringe uh, stuff that I love. Uh, as a little kid i was looking and there was a picture of nikola tesla in his faraday cage with the lightning all around him and i was like who's that and my grandma told me about him and said uh because my grandma worked for um uh, bell telephone at the time and and so she was she said he's he was a famous scientist but he he uh he didn't get to be famous like the other famous people you know and uh that always kind of bothered me and then i read his autobiography which is really fascinating talks about having a space in which he creates all his inventions, a sort of room that he goes to in his mind. And he get, he, he tests them through cycles, like the, the turbines and stuff um, in his imagination. So just a really powerful imagination, but like other things about him that I love. He, there's a dude who um, uh, he, he had a contract with the dude, but to, if he if he made good made the dude um, own up to the contract, he would have ruined his life. So he tore up the contract. And then there was another time when someone um, was stole his pat stole one of his patents was using his patent, and they were like, "Don't you want to prosecute him?" And he was like, "Nah, he's doing good work." He's like, "He's he's doing good work. We should just let him do good work." And I was like, "That's that's the reason he's 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 sort of obscure, but he was a genius. He's." Uh, I believe that there are technologies that we don't have access to because it makes us a more compliant workforce. Uh, we, I don't think they, they would be able to keep us make your job easy. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Right. Free energy for everybody. We might sit around and just think about good thoughts and make like, our I neighborhoods. In the world. Oh my the ca- god! The capital. I'm no. I'm no socialist. I'm no communist. I'm, but I'm also no capitalist. I, I don't think this system of uh, capitalist oligarchies, with these like global control corporations that are people because of you know one stupid Citizens United uh, uh, Supreme Court ruling that made corporations the same as people. It's just like we're we're uh, uh, we need we need to. Uh, we need that portion of it to go away. There's there's some some models where where big things like social media, electricity, energy, they would all be kind of like municipal utilities, so that the, nobody could get super rich off them. Um, and I, I like that sort of model, a distributionist model. Yeah. Huh. So, so, oh, go ahead. That's fine. The. Uh, so kind of digging a bit here. Uh, as far as your voice acting career is, concer- is concerned, was there any, uh, any any influences that further pushed you in this uh, in this career? Oh, voice acting. You know, I one time directed Lucy Christian, and um, sorry, my cat wants in. I'm not going to let him in. Uh, I one time directed <laughs> Lucy. We all Christ- want to see. Oh the wait, cat. he wants out. He wants out, not in. Hold on, I gotta let the cat up. What can I say? Cats get priority. They do, they do. Oh, come here, come here. You gotta say hi first. Here, come say hi. Say hi. What's well, your cat's name? This is Trouble. I shouldn't have named him Trouble. I should have trouble. named him Gold Krugerans because he is Trouble a little bit. All right, I'm back. 
couldn't have the cat meowing at the door. Uh, so I directed Lucy Christian and uh, she was amazing in the booth and made me feel like I hadn't really, I kind of plateaued um, in the booth. And then I saw her work and I was like, oh man, I can do better. <laughs> she was just so clean and clear and uh, relaxed about all of it. I had, uh, I typically have uh, tension is my enemy when I'm acting, that's for sure. Interesting. So I, I have to ask this, because this is like one of the biggest things I'm, I'm really curious about. Like, so you started a master class. Yes. You know, um, can you tell us a bit about that? And like, if someone's interested in getting involved, because I think that's amazing, obviously, you know, because it's like, who better to learn from? But like, how can they get involved with that? Like, if they want to, if they want to learn, or they want to know about it, and how does that process go? Uh, they, you email me at fireflyworks at gmail.com, fireflyworks at gmail.com. Um, and, and I'll, and I send the information, but what, what we learn, we learn three dialects. We learn British, Irish, and Russian, or if it's the UK class, we learn, uh, American and New York. And, uh, uh, we we study a lot. Of, I was talking about a little bit about it before about the habits, the sort of psychological habits that you need because it's a very difficult industry. It's not um, success takes a long time, and you're usually piecing two different ways, or three or four or five different ways of uh, making your ends meet. Uh, so you have to be you have to be flexible. Uh, and so we, we learn a lot uh, in the in the class about how to deal with that, how to deal with the the voice, not only your voice, uh, but the voice inside your head as well, because that's the one that shapes your whole perspective, that gives you the reasons for feeling the way you feel on a moment by moment basis. And so we practice a lot of techniques to, uh, you know, manage that, take a hold of that and put structures in place, you know, because if you say you want something, like you want to do voice acting, you want to be an actor, you want to be a better actor, then then you, it's it's a pretty simple process. That but the biggest hurdle is that inertia, that inertia that you feel not wanting to do something. And like, how do you how do you work yourself to do the things that are difficult to start? How do you how do you get that motion forward uh, on a daily basis? And so we we do we have a comfort challenge exercise where you force yourself into doing something uncomfortable and you monitor your adrenal reaction before, during, and after so you can feel like, because what happens to you as a performer is you you are having an adrenal reaction on the level, and this is, they've done scientific studies uh, to test the stress level. Landing a jet aircraft on an aircraft carrier at night is the most stressful thing you can do. Second, right beneath that, is uh, any form of talking in front of people. So any form of acting, public speaking is is extremely uh, adrenaline filled. And so being a good actor means learning how to manage those adrenal reactions, which happen all day long. Anxiety is just low level adrenal reactions dripping throughout your day. And everybody feels that anxiety. And that's partly because we're we're programmed for it now much more by the social media and things on the internet, every click, every whir, every like, every button, every sound that a, a website makes, it's all analyzed by teams and teams of scientists who get literally billions of dollars to figure out the best way to keep you on edge, to keep you fearful, to keep you always wanting the next scroll, the next swipe, the next click, like they're, they're we're, we're being reprogrammed that way. And so a lot of what we do is sort of uh, teach you as an artist how to undo that programming, to clean a good space for you to- To be able to control that basically. Yeah, and discover yourself, discover your art, discover- so It sounds like it goes like. beyond just like, you know, you basically being able to kind of practice, you know, your acting, but it actually can help you be, in some ways of being able to manage your, your life if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, a hundred percent. Yeah. Because uh, if you want to be an actor, you have to be, you have to be self-assured. You got, you got to be psychologically stable. You got you know, all those things that go into it, you know, other than the craft and skill. And we do a lot on the craft and skill. You memorize a monologue. There's a lot of voice actors 
uh, professional ones who've never memorized text. They've only done voice acting. They just read it. But And there is something qualitatively different in the brain scans of actors who are reading from, uh, compared to actors who are expressing from memorized text. The brain scan of the, the actor from memorized text looks like a human having an experience and the, the brain scans of the actors reading look like humans reading. So as the learning how to transfer what you learned through performing a, a monologue, which we do in class, you, you learn how to transfer that experience to the written text. So you're able to bring it to life a little more because your boundaries have been expanded. We always talk about expanding your boundaries because if you want something different to happen in your life, you have to do different things, which by its very nature means expanding your boundaries. And, um, you know, the, the edge between where you're totally comfortable, you're not going to make any mistakes, and, and, and that edge you get into where I might make mistakes here as a performer, that's where you want to be performing. You, you want to be taking calculated risks to make yourself, uh, you know, the best performer you can be, because as soon as you start resetting into places where you know you won't make mistakes, that's when your performances get stale. So you always have to be leaning towards the edge of risk. I see. That makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> you know, because if you don't take risks, then you'll never really be able to, like, challenge yourself, you know, to grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, the... The difference between an amateur and a professional actor is not the number of uh, mistakes they make because professionals way, make way more mistakes than amateurs. Amateur, the professionals just get over it quicker and they expect it. They expect to make mistakes because they're pushing to a degree where they know a mistake is possible. They're not playing it safe. But uh, an amateur will make a mistake, an error, a bumble, and then talk about it and waste time that way. But professionals are like, yeah, let's go again. Yeah, let's try it again. Let's do it again. You know, because you're excited, like, oh, I'll get it. I'll get it. Oh, wait, I got it. Let me try this, you know. And so that's the the energy you need as a performer is is the like, wait, oh, well, let me try this, you know. And that 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 excitement comes out in, in the, uh, when you watch something and the performers have been having a really fun time putting it together, you can hear it in the voices. Interesting. It sounds like, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but just go off the, over the course of, uh, of, our, of the segment here, it sounded like, uh, sounds like you do a lot of uh, studies with the subconscious mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I believe we have, uh, we have multiple inputs. A lot of times humans think their only input is what they say to themselves in their head and what they see and hear, smell, and taste, and touch uh, to a lesser degree. But uh, I, I think, and we, we practice this, because you practice your, your dialects before you go to sleep. And a lot of students will report that after the second or third night of practicing the dialect before they go to sleep, they end up uh, dreaming in the dialect. Because your brain, in its offline time, works on whatever problems you're giving it right before you go to bed. Uh, sometimes it'll pull from deeper in your day, but and this was a scientific study too. So I, I am lazy, I'm incredibly lazy, and I like to appear like I'm doing more work than I am. So I, I ask the students to do that before they go to bed. And uh, and that way I'm leveraging that eight hours while they're sleeping to make them better at their, uh, make it appear like my teaching. And it is, it's good teaching, but it's lazy teaching. And then when they when you wake up in the morning, and this is something I've noticed, is that you have the voice you talk to uh, yourself inside your head, and it's uh, I think it was I was I was Tim, someone on the Tim Ferriss show. It might have been Naval Ravikant. He said uh, the the person talking to you inside your head, if they were if they were personified in real life, sitting on the couch, you'd be like, that is the shittiest roommate I've ever had in my life. All he does is talk shit about me and question me and like belittle me. Like, cause that's what you do inside your head. You'd be like, get this guy out of here. I don't need him there. And when you wake up in the morning, if you don't do this, and that's the other thing, one of the agreements that we do during class is that you, you will 
plug your phone in, preferably out of the room or at least across the room so that you're not doing this until you fall asleep and then wake up and go, oh, and instantly start scrolling. We instantly give all our attention to these billionaires. But if you you take the time in the morning to listen to what your brain wants to tell you, it's massive supercomputer. It's been working all night. You know, it'll give you information that you don't normally uh, give it the space to communicate. So we, we practice guarding just those two, those bookends right before you go to bed and right right when you wake up. Make those golden times, magic times, where you're gonna, you know, really start to put some distance between you and the control mechanisms. Really give your give your um, and, and you hear in the morning, you'll hear that's the voice I want to be listening to. And consequently, it gets stronger because the voice we use inside our head, a lot of that scripts, a lot of its literal scripts we were given as children. You will have an experience and words someone said to you will be imprinted in your head forever without your knowledge. I, the way I do uh, uh, multi-step multiplication is it's quotes my older brother Mike gave to me. I can hear myself as I'm doing. I can hear his voice. His voice is how I do a long division. They did a study with mothers and children and had the mothers teach the children how to do puzzles and brought the kids back in 15 years later and had them do puzzles and asked them to quote what they were thinking while they were doing the puzzles. And uh, they they were thinking exact quotes from 15 years earlier that their mothers had given them. So we're walking around with a script inside our head that well-intentioned most of the time, parents, brothers, sisters, friends at school, they do the best they can to be good humans most of the time, most people, but there's plenty of other uh, people who are really horrible and they're giving you their really horrible script they got from their father who got it from their father, got it from their father, and it's, why are you so stupid? And you're like, why am I so stupid? And then for 20 years, 30 years, you can't figure out why you're so stupid. And it's like, well, stop asking the question. Cut that line, man. You don't need that in your script. So we talk about being the author of your perspective, the author of your thoughts. And consequently, that feeds into the acting because you start to see the characters from, you know, what scripts are running in their head. What are they thinking as they're defending, rationalizing, trying to figure out overcoming, you know, what, what is, what is, where are their tactics coming from? It's in that self-exploration, because Martin Scorsese says the most personal is the most creative. So if you are being absolutely honest in yourself, that's the, that's the, that's the pinnacle of, of performance. And, and getting to who that is and sort of removing all those blocks that are keeping you from seeing and being okay with exactly who you are, then uh, um, that, you know, that's the job of the performer. That's the job of the artist. Oh, uh, like you, you can help me in some ways that I need help right now with some of my creative endeavors. But that was, that's uh, that's that's what we do in class, man. That's what we just we get people was, working. That was in that stuff. I'm gonna have to definitely uh, talk to you about in your class. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. But right. um, let's actually uh, we went a bit over. Um, well, actually, there's a couple things we want to do. We want I want to get through a few more of these questions really quick. You know, so we're gonna do it like rapid fire, you know, and then we have a final question for you. All right. Uh, all right. Where did we actually, Nico? Where do we leave off? <laughs> you go. Know, talking about questions in the comment section. Okay. Yeah. So if 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 you like, we can do just uh, just a few of these questions, or if you feel up to it, you can give uh, two senses or less answers. How you want to play it? I uh, to uh, I don't know. I'm confused. What am I doing? <laughs> the conversation has a bunch of questions. We could either do just three of them, or uh, you could try to rapid fire them. I'll rapid fire them. How many we got? I can I can answer quick. Uh, I say about twelve. Yeah, I can do that. Let's do this. Rapid fire. Oh boy, anime. Did you introduce your family to DBZ, or did any of your family uh, embers ask you to do DBZ or Yu Yu Hakusho voices? Uh, no, not family members. I showed my 15 year old son DBZ, uh, way, way back in the day. And he was like, dad, this fight is taking so long. And I was like, you're not going to like the show. Let's show you a different show. If you don't like long <laughs> fights, you're not going to like DBZ. Although my little girls right now, like my hero. So that's fun to see them like, uh, do the Kurogiri voice. So that's, that's always fun. Next up Royal city. And are you going to do the 
OVA uh, UU Hack Show that came about a year ago. Yeah, we were supposed to, and then COVID hit, and uh, I haven't heard anything since. Hmm. Do you prefer writing to voice acting or vice versa, OVA anime again? Uh, I prefer both. I like both at different times. Very well. Jeffrey Lilly, I just wanted to express my appreciation for voice actors like you who have built the stables, so to speak, for Western voice actors. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for your kindness. Okay, man, again, I remember well the early days where there, where there was nothing but kiddies show voice actors or celebrities, nothing in between. Uh, he's showing his old head there. Uh, and you and your cohort have filled the gap very nicely and developed a whole art form of serious voice acting. Thank you. More praise. Someone commented in. Marcel Gray, Mary goes, uh, evening all. Talking about your uh, your teamwork with your wife. Do what? Your team team oh, yeah, 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 yeah. earlier. That's right. Uh, NBA 9, uh, COVID has definitely enforced my sleep regimen. Okay. Of course. Uh, OBA anime came in. Would you be open to voicing Marvel animated characters or DC animated characters? Either one, all of them, both. I'll voice anything. Fair deal. What did you enjoy more, voicing in DVZ or you actually already answered that one? Up mm, yeah, pretty much. Let me see. Go on a beast. You already know what it is. Let's see, do uh, they please sift through? Is that all the questions? I mean, we have a lot of more comments. Uh, just more comments. All right, we'll roll through two more comments here. REW Entertainment. I still hear those those darn multiplication table songs that my mom played for me when I was young. Every darn time, I do mental math now. That's right. That's right. Che can't comment it in. That's my goal to bring the arts in with the education. Very inspirational. That's and I did that for years. Arts and education, that was my thing. And there was a new comment here uh, or a new person here. Thank you for coming in. Super Savage Spirit. Amazing work with Hie, one of my favorite characters of all time. And we'll <laughs> wrap okay. it up there with the comments. All right. So here's our final question for you. We ask everyone right. this. What is your end game? You know, and I'm going to elaborate on it a little bit further because I know that probably sounds a little weird to say. Basically, you know, at the end of your, you know, voice acting career, or, you know, maybe you never plan on, you know, being done with, you know, I'm not going to just say voice acting, I'm going to say acting, period. Sure. Uh, what is your actual end game? What do you want to see come about when you look at your career as a whole? Um, I'm pretty satisfied uh, with, with my career. I'm pretty satisfied with it. I did a good job. Acting is important. It's important for people to act. I may have one or two more. I may have another movie. I do have a Tesla one-man show that I've been working on for a couple of years. It'll probably take me another three years uh, to, to write it all out. It's part magic, part uh, metaphysical, part historical. But um, I don't know. I would... Uh, uh, my end game... My end game is this house, man. We got a... We got some a whole bunch of gardening going on. We're gonna have uh, beehive and uh, tilapia pond. We're gonna be, you know, try to be su sustainable in our own little house. If all we had to, if all I had to do was hang out with my wife and kids, and then grandkids, and uh, uh, harvest tomatoes, I think I'd be all right. <laughs> oh, so a Thanos ending. I'm just messing with you. But. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Snap. Snap. Like I finally rest. You know, <laughs> smile upon That's a grateful right. universe. And then go to a convention every every month, every other month. Oh my gosh! No, <laughs> I, I I'm like honestly, I have to say that's that's actually really humble. You know, like like that's one thing I've always appreciated. You know, I'm like honestly, is that um, you know, I can say out of a lot of um, like different uh, pro, uh professionals, you know, in the industry, you know, I feel like usually a lot of the um, voice acting talents usually end up being some of the most humble. You know, and definitely you even more so. You know. So I definitely appreciate your time today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. You guys did great. This is a great little show you guys got going on. Oh, thanks. I appreciate yeah, I that. Appreciate it. You know, um, before we go, um, trying to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Oh, yeah. Make sure you guys check out or actually, um, if you are interested in voice acting, we're going to throw up right now on the screen. Um, yeah. Cooper's master <laughs> master class. You know, there's, oh, look, there it is. Should see it right there on the screen. It looks like I don't know if you if any of these uh, openings are still open, but you guys can send them an email at 
fireflyworks at gmail.com. Yes, uh, yes. I have one. Uh, I have a class starting tomorrow. There's actually one one person dropped out, so there's a spot open in that one. And then I'm not sure when I'm doing it next. Uh, I may, it may not be till June because I think we're going to start up Now Voice This 8, and that usually takes up most of my time. So uh, I'll probably be doing that instead of classes for the next month or so. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's, you know, we'll Let's see. see. But yeah, definitely email me for classes. Also, one last thing, guys. Not actually, no, it is this week because I'm getting the weeks mixed up. This week, this Sunday, we do have a, another interview. So usually we do it every other week. But this Sunday, we are going to be interviewing uh, Janet Kiyuchi. So she's a manga artist. Um, probably most of you may not be familiar with her, but definitely her work is stellar. So you're going to want to check it out. And if you want to learn from professional in regards to manga, um, that's going to be on Sunday, this coming Sunday at 9 a.m. or not 9 a.m. 9 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, we'll be super early in the morning, so I know. But you know, we'll be there at that time. So just make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed, so you don't miss the notification on that. And we also have some manga videos that are going to be coming to, in regards to our process and everything um, for those of you guys who are interested in creating manga. Um, with that being said, we want to once again thank Chuck Huber for coming on today. We really appreciate your time. Um, you know, again, we've been sitting in front of a legend today. And for many of us, um, you know, especially those who grew up during the Chinami era, you know, it's very, uh, it's very weird feeling, you know, like <laughs> sometimes. Um, but, you know, again, appreciate it. And we hope you guys have a wonderful day. Don't forget to like the video and we'll see you later. Bye. Catch you all later, Shining Lights. <laughs>